Brady. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? I'm really good. Yay. I don't know if I've ever done FaceTime audio before. I know. Um, so, you know, I'm a pastor, so my podcast sounds really good only because I have really good editors, not because I have the high-tech equipment. Hi, I'm Sarah, and I'm in the midst of a 52-week challenge to change my life and get rid of Sonderlust. If you've been following along, you know that one of the areas I've been challenged to address is my dating life. It's also the area that I get the most phone calls and emails about. For me, it's the hardest challenge. Not just because dating is hard, but because sharing it with you is hard. I like to keep my private life, well, private. But I'm realizing that for a long time, that meant that I didn't actually have a private life. I was recently at the gym when I ran into a friend who asked me if I was seeing anyone. When I said no, his response was, it must be impossible to date as a female pastor, especially as one who is intimidating as you are. Ouch. He hit me right where it has hurt most. That word, intimidating. What about me is intimidating? I think a lot of women who have personal success in their career get labeled as intimidating and that we haven't quite figured out how to integrate all parts of someone's humanity so that you can be both successful and approachable. I couldn't stop thinking about the word intimidating. And it made me think of some dear people I know, whose love story is one that I would love to emulate. I had met him a couple of times before I met his wife, but from the way he described her, I knew I would really love being around her. And he wasn't wrong. She is indeed fantastic. They have a beautiful family, and I love the way they treat each other and make room for the other successes. The big twist to their story is that by the time he had met her, she was already internationally known, and many would have described her as intimidating just by her successes and her talent. And yet, instead of seeing her for her list of accomplishments, he saw her for who she really is. So I wanted to rehear their story and chat more with him about how they have created the normal, down-to-earth life they lead. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Brady Smith. He's a very accomplished actor, artist, husband, and dad. He's married to someone you may have heard of, Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Most know her from our iconic character, Kelly Kapowski, but her list of accomplishments goes much further than that. And she's even launching a new show. So here is my conversation with Brady, someone I adore chatting with. Well, you're going to be playing the role of uh, Brady today. Um, <laughs> how was your audition, by the way? It was good. It was super, super uh, short and sweet, which is just how I like it. You know, it, the, most of the time is spent driving there. <laughs> yeah, L.A. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. But, um, it, you know, it wasn't bad. It was 11, it was 11 o'clock. 11.50 originally, and I, I got there a little bit early just so I would hopefully be done for you. Oh, well, thank you. Because I'm a giver, you know. You are a giver. That's so true. So let me tell you a little bit about my podcast and why I was so excited to ask you to come on to it. Um, so my podcast was called Sonderless the Podcast, which is Sonder is the word that means like to recognize that other people are living a different life than yours. Okay, very cool. And then lust is, you know, you want that life. So I realized this year when I turned 37 that uh, I was spending a lot of time like wishing I had other people's lives. 
Oh, okay. Uh, just because, you know, it, as a single 37-year-old who, like, helps other people live, you know, hopefully good lives through being a pastor and all that, it kind of felt a little bit of a bummer that, like, I wasn't living my own life. Right. Wow. That That's very uh, adult and insightful of you to even make that. <laughs> well, and I think – I think I – so it was, I guess, an adult. And so I decided uh, that I was going to call my best friend on my birthday, and he is like a hysterical – if you could imagine – he's just like Will Ferrell, essentially, but he's six foot nine. He's really loud, and he's really oh, funny. Big dude. Yeah, he's a big dude. And he uh, is hysterical. And so he challenged me to four things that I have to do in the next year, or he's making me move out of California. Wow. Okay. Because he thinks California is a very toxic place to live. I, I can I can definitely uh, see where he's coming from, for sure. Where does he live? He lives in uh, just outside of Portland. Okay. But he's moving to Vegas. So uh, anytime I Whoa. try to... Right? Now, I don't understand that word that he's saying. He's going... Right? Who moves to Vegas? Jeez Louise. Yeah. So uh, the four things that he challenged me to do, one of them was that I needed to start dating which is really hard to do in Southern California. Okay. Uh, the next thing was that I needed to uh, find friends outside of my church. Okay. Uh, the other, which I think is how I originally reached out to Justin, was like, I need Brady and Tiff's phone number because all my friends go to my church. <laughs> um, and then I needed to uh, like where I live because I live in Mission Viejo, which is a bit of a family town. Can you remind me? That's that's south, right? Yeah. So it's like between. Uh, it really is between Los Angeles and San Diego. Okay. It's like an hour from you. Got it. Like an hour. Yeah. And so, uh, and then the, what was the other? Oh, I had to like. I had to love my job, not just like it. Okay. Cool. So those are my challenges, and one of the things that has been the hardest, and the one that like has been most interesting to people, is me dating in my thirties. Okay. Yep. As a, a woman who runs a church and has, you know, a speaking career and a podcasting career and all that sort of stuff, it turns out there's this thing called being intimidating <laughs> that I guess is true. And then as you get older, it gets harder. And Southern California is not an easy place. So that has been the big, biggest challenge. And I was thinking what I would love to talk to you about because uh, I just have loved, you know, I've met you. I think we've hung out maybe two or three times. Yep. I think so. And I've noticed just the way that you and Tiff do life is just incredible to me in that you both have really successful careers. You're both really, really busy, but you um, seem to put each other first. I've also noticed you put your family first. And I I mean, you're a friend of mine on Instagram, so I like I feel like a little bit I get to see a little bit of that. And of course, Instagram never tells us everything. But it feels to me like you guys are very connected. And you met Tiffany after she'd already done really well in her career. And so I'd love for you to talk about that story of like meeting a person who most would have found intimidating. Right. Because when I talked to her, I remember her and I were talking and I think you and Justin were in the other room. And she was saying that one of the things she loved when she first met you was that you weren't, that wasn't really a big deal to you, <laughs> what she did or who she was. Yeah. I mean, I never... <laughs> I joke because, you know, in my college, all my buddies, I mean, every single one of these guys had seen 
her shows and watched her shows. And I, and I had never seen an episode of any of her shows. Uh, not intentionally. It just wasn't my cup of tea, if you will. I was always, I didn't watch a lot of television, I guess. I was always kind of out and about doing stuff. I went to a real small uh, college in Nacogdoches, Texas, which is East Texas. And it's actually... And just fun to say. It's Not only is it fun to say, but it took me about three of my four years in college to spell it correctly. <laughs> That's the entire point of college. <laughs> That's what I learned, how to spell the town that I lived in in college. Um, <laughs> but no, we, you know, I met her. It was, it was my first real acting job, I guess, where I was a guest star and not just a small or, you know, commercial or uh, co-star or whatever. So I was And you all- became an actor to fund your amazing art career. That's my favorite part of <laughs> meeting because you remind me, in a way, we have the similar thing like, oh, no, this is plan B. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, what I did, I got my degree uh, in art. I've always done art. And uh, when I moved out here, it was really just, you know, taking a shot in the dark, basically. I didn't know anybody out here. I loaded up my car and I just drove out. And it was, you know, I was in Houston. All my buddies from college, they all had nine to five jobs. And I was just home in my apartment you know, watching Maury Povich and literally waiting for the paint to dry. And I just, you know, I had taken one acting class my senior year only because my choices were acting and ceramics and ceramics was like a three and a half hour lab and acting was 50 minutes. <laughs> All purely accidental. Um, but, you know, I, I, my parents have always been very supportive and loving and wonderful. They're still, still are. And, but I, you know, I told my Mom, dad, I was like, hey, I think I'm going to give it a shot. I mean, I, I have no ties here as far as, you know, girlfriend or anything. And and they were like, well, you've worked for seven years out of college building up your, your art business. And I was like, I know, but I can always come back. And they were like, that's what you want to do, you know, which was super brave and loving. That's awesome. Yeah. It was, they're, they're amazing. And, um, you know, I moved out here. It took about three and a half years for me to get anything going, especially in Los Angeles, which is not the friendliest town to outsiders, if you will. Um, yeah, which is probably why we all get along because we're all not from here. <laughs> yeah, that's there's. I think there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, I've and I'm not bashing Angelinos. You know, there there's a lot of great people. It's just you know, it's a tricky town. Ta- At least it was a tricky town for me to kind of navigate and figure out. Um, but then, yes, I, I got my, I started going out. I got representation. They sent me out on auditions, uh, and I eventually booked a guest star on a TV show with one of Tiff's old co-stars. And uh, this this girl was like, "Hey, I want you to meet a friend of mine." And I was like, "Great." She's and I go, "Who is it?" And she's like, "I don't want to tell you because you'll freak <laughs> out." And I was like, "I don't want to meet her then if you're not going to tell me who it is because that's just weird." And then she was. Like, well, her name's Tiffany Thiessen. And I was like, oh, <laughs> all right. And I mean, I, of course I knew who she was, but I, again, I never watched her shows. And then, uh, you know, we started dating and um, it was our first date was the last uh, date. You know, we never dated anybody else from that first date. It was great. And I think she shares like she loved the fact that you didn't know who she was. I think. No, I think that she found that really kind of uh like you knew who she was, you knew she was an actress, but you right. didn't you didn't expect her to be uh Kelly Kapowski. 
Nope. If she was Kelly Kapowski, I wouldn't even know it anyway because I never watched the show. You know, <laughs> you know I have to admit, I didn't really watch the show because I, I grew up in Canada until I was 14 before we moved to Mississippi. And so I moved from Canada to Mississippi having only known about American culture by uh, by the TV show. So I, without even realizing it, was influenced by it. Like I started dating the captain of the football team. I was like, yeah, this is what you do. This is what Americans do. This is how you American. <laughs> you dove right in. That's great. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so you didn't know she, so you let her be her, a separate entity from this actress, from the person, like for the professional persona, you just let her be her. Yep. And I wouldn't have known how to do it really any other way. You know, the funniest thing about Tiff and I dating, in my opinion, is that all of my knucklehead buddies that still lived in Texas who might have visited me once or twice in the three and a half years I was here before I met my wife now came out every weekend. <laughs> Somehow flights got cheaper. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, you guys are so freaking transparent, man. And they're like, well, no, you do cool stuff. Oh, wow. Oh, man. All right. Well, no, and I, and I just, I mean, I love those guys. They're still my, still my best friends. But yeah, I saw a lot more of them. Well, that's the thing I've kind of loved. So I don't know why uh, God does this in my life, but I have a lot of friends who uh, are really well known uh, in the world in some ways. And I feel like a lot of them, the reality is you're just like a normal person and people don't give you an opportunity to be a normal person. And I think uh, because of my job and because, you know, there's not a lot of ladders to climb in my world, um, people feel comfortable being like, oh, yeah, come on into our lives. But I've always noticed that the relationships that work really well are the are the ones who kind of just let it be kind of normal. Like, can we just be normal? Um, and it takes effort, you know. I have friends who live in La Crescenta because then they're not around people all the time in L.A. And I've noticed that you and – Tiff are really, you know, careful about how you do your relationship. And you've really made space for someone that you're not intimidated of. Because a lot of people who maybe with your years of, you know, three years of acting could have been intimidated of someone who was booking things from the time. I have no idea when she started acting, but I think she was young, right? She was, yes, she was definitely young. She, she's been doing it, I mean, literally her whole life. So, yeah, I, you know, but I'm not a very intimidated type of guy. I, I, I try not to be, I, I don't know if I'm wired that way. Um, like going back to what you were saying earlier about, you know, wanting what other people have and stuff like that. I mean, I feel like that's just human nature and sometimes in control it. most times it just kind of blindsides you and you don't even know you're doing it. At least I'll speak personally. I don't even know I'm doing it until I'm, you know, already completely, absorbed in it but tiff i just love her and i never looked at that way at all or or, you know she was she's always been my you know greatest cheerleader and and vice versa so i just think it's hard as women i think it's hard as women who have succeeded for some reason there's a weird narrative out in life that if a woman has succeeded it's harder for her to find someone. And I hate that that's a narrative. Uh, but like for me, you know, I oftentimes get people saying, well, you know, you've already, you've written a book, you've done all this stuff. And so it's really intimidating for other humans. And I just feel like that's not 
that's, it's really hurtful. It's like you're too much and you're not trying to be too much. And I think that's what, it just gave me hope to know that, you know, she was able to find somebody even though she had achieved quite a bit, you know? Right. And I think, I mean, look, obviously there's that person out there for you, but, but I mean, I understand what you're saying. I completely do. I, I mean, things can be intimidating and people's personal successes can come into the picture, but ultimately, you know, you want somebody, and I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but you want somebody that loves you for, for you, not for what you've done, you know? Exactly. Being a pastor, is that the right? Yeah, you got it. Pastor? Okay. I don't know if it was like reverend or... You can call me reverend, pastor, or minister. Just Sarah is what I go by. I don't like any of those titles. Right. Well, I, you know, but I, I would think that, and uh, bear with me here, but what would be more intimidating... I'll speak for myself. What would be more intimidating for me if I, if I met you, you know, I'm single and I'm like, hey, you're awesome. And, and then... I mean, do you find that when you say that you are a minister that people are like, oh, wow, yeah. okay, I can't screw <laughs> up, I need to be on my best behavior, that kind of stuff? Uh, I think it's that, and then I don't look like a pastor, and I have a nose ring, and I have the mouth of a sailor, and people don't really know what to do. Well, not really a mouth of a sailor, but you know, people don't really know what to do with my humanity um, or the fact that I'm just kind of a normal person. So usually people don't figure out what I do until, you know— halfway through a conversation. You know, I always like when I when I first moved to California, the girls that I hung out with, it seemed like all of them, for some reason, all of them were uh teachers. And we would go out, we'd go out dancing in Newport or whatever. And people would have so much fun with us until they found out what my job was. And then they would go out, continue dancing with the girls, and then they would talk to me, like confess to me or just be completely weirded out. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's, I'm speaking for what people think, right? Like, you're supposed to help and fix things and mm-hmm. make things better. And, you know, yeah, I could see how that would be a challenge for you to always. I think if I looked at, like, what people think a pastor should look like, or if I, um, you know, I, I almost feel like guys who are super into that, like, what a pious piety or whatever I don't work for at all. Um, and I think Christianity doesn't really know what to do with women in leadership still, even though it's been around for a long time. Um, I mean, you grew up mostly Methodist, right? So you've had female pastors before, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. So not, not that odd, but people treat it like a unicorn and then I don't know what to do about it. Um, and kind of some of the tough stuff is like, not on the same level that I'm sure Tiffany's gone through, but like you get like odd stalkers and fans that you just don't really want in your life. Uh, and then you, you can't seem to find the person that actually likes you for, yeah, likes you for what you are and not in spite of what you are. So I have, you know, dated over the last couple of years, but it's almost like they're like, yeah, I really love Sarah. I I wish she wasn't a pastor, but I really love Sarah. Somebody really said that. Oh, I've had that several times. (laughs) And that's hard because you're just like, well. Not cool. Yeah. No. So I think it's just interesting to see how, and I think one of the things I remember is you said, you know, when Tiffany was working on a show, you would intentionally kind of make sure that you guys were in the same space or area. Like when she was working on a show in New York, you guys went to that. But then when you're working on something, she makes space for what you're doing. Because I think that's the 
other thing I love is that you're both each other's cheerleaders. And I think it's, we don't talk about that narrative enough. And I think enough of my friends in the Hollywood scene um, end up competing with each other and it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Or one shines and the other one starts to fade. And so I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how you guys have been really intentional about that. Well, we have, we have a, a few unspoken rules, one of which is we're never apart from each other uh, for two weeks, more than two weeks, you know, mm-hmm. just because it's just one of the things we kind of go by. I, look, let's not kid anybody here. Tiff's career is, you know, a completely different uh, universe than mine. Um, granted, I'm a working actor and I'm busy and it's nice, but, you know, she's it's just a whole nother level. And, you know, I'm not envious of that. You know, sometimes that can be. I mean, there's perks, but there's also challenges to fame, you know, and I'm sure anybody will tell you that. So we just basically, if I'm working on something, she's, you know, with the kids and and vice versa. You know, she has a new show right now and I'm I'm full on Mr. Mr. Mom. (laughs) I love that your house is like a farm. It makes me feel like I'm back in Mississippi. Uh, Yes, it is. And it. I mean, now we have, we've adopted, we always rescue dogs just because I feel like it's important. Well, we both feel like it's very important. And we have this great Dane right now that is so sweet and so gentle, but she is a horse. And your kids aren't big enough for a horse. That's the thing. You know, we, it's so funny watching our two-year-old when that dog comes trotting by, cause he just goes in full, like, you know, uh, earthquake position where he just kind of <laughs> you know but um yeah it's we have a wonderfully controlled chaos environment here well i remember the first time i went to your house because we met up for sushi i think twice and then i went to your house one time and your poor daughter she was tiny this was you guys were just you were just found out you were pregnant or it was just shortly after that you found out you were pregnant so it was two years ago and a coyote had gotten one of your chickens Oh yeah, that's happened uh, more since. And I remember just being like, "Oh, oh, good luck explaining that one, Daddy." And she'd seen it. <laughs> it's it's happened. Unfortunately, that's uh, a conversation we've had more times than not. It she look she knows about uh, the circle of life, and it's a uh, it's a hard pill to swallow sometimes. But you know, when when that happened, the last time it happened the coyote nailed uh, seven of our eight chicken. <gasps> no. It was like Custer's last stand, man. It was <laughs> bloody battlefield. And uh, she didn't see the carnage because Tiff and I obviously didn't want her to, and she's, we didn't let her go outside. But the next day, you know, it's still – I it, and even though I spent hours cleaning up, oh. it's – Looked like a pillow factory blew up within the neighborhood because there were feathers blowing around that you can't oh, gosh. pick up every one, you know. And but she's a little girl in LA who's learning about that. See, I feel like another thing I really just value about the two of you is that you want your kids to have a normal childhood. And my friends that have done that's kids are doing well, you know, my friends that have done really well and have a public persona. Um, the ones that do really well are the kids who like, I remember you said your kids wait in line when you go to Disneyland. And I remember just thinking that is such a small thing that has such a big impact. 
It is. We, you know, so I say prayers to Harper every night, right? And one mm-hmm. of the one of the ways I end it is, please let everybody treat each other the way that they want to be treated, which is basically, you know, uh, the golden rule. Um, but that's an important thing that I want to, for lack of a better word, just drive into my daughter's head because I feel like that in itself will make her empathetic, think of other people first, and uh, just be an overall outstanding, you know, contributing member of society. So, yeah, we definitely try to keep them grounded and just normal for like another life. <laughs> well, because it's hard. I mean, we didn't grow up in the way that they're growing up, right? I mean, did Tiffany, what's Tiffany's family? What did they do? Were they in the film industry? No. Um, no. So her mom was just a, a wonderful stay-at-home mom. She raised three kids, you know, and her dad had two jobs to make ends meet. And um, one of the jobs that he did was a landscape architect, which just uh, crazy enough was what my dad did. So, Aww. yeah. And, you know, her her brother passed a few years ago, but our, one, her older brother but, uh, you know, her younger brother has a family and two kids and married and all is good. So, but yeah, they, they, she did not grow up. The, the way that she got into it is that her, her uncle, her mom's brother was Steven Spielberg's roommate in college. <laughs> like you do. Like you do. Uh, <laughs> and we're buddies and they worked on stuff together. And, uh, Roger is his name. He went on to be a film professor uh and took some headshots of tiff when she was very very young and uh then she got an agent and uh it was you know off to the races and so if you didn't grow up around it, it's just interesting to me to see like i said the kids that have the families that do well the relationships that do well are kind of the ones that set up intentional rules like let's not be apart or uh, how do we cheerlead for the other? How do we celebrate family things? How do we keep certain things public? You know, my fishbowl is much smaller, but the fishbowl still exists. So how do we have a private relationship? You know, especially with like social media and things like that. Do you guys have rules around that kind of stuff? Because I know, I remember one of them was like, you know, we don't have film crews at our house, which I thought was a kind of a cool rule to have as well. Yeah, just the... It's just crazy whenever there's a crew at your house, just in general. And it's just not, you know, we, we like our privacy and we also don't want, I mean, <laughs> one of the reasons is just because the walls get banged up and it's just, a, <laughs> no, I mean, that there's, I mean, that, that's the obvious reason, but you know, it, it interferes with children's naps and we're very, uh, uh, we, we think everything is through as we can comes to raising our children as far as like they need to get sleep they need to eat well they need to be you know rested and happy and having a film crew in your home would not add to any of that as far as rest and happiness in my opinion well what i kind of love though is that you guys are raising your kids you're not having other people raise your kids which is actually an la thing like legitimately an la thing (laughs) yeah i mean we we have uh, a, a girl that helps us uh, in the weekday, but we're always here, you know, yeah. so it's not like we're, we're gone. I, it's funny cause I try to explain to Harper 
if I'm doing an email on my phone, by the way, you know, not even sitting down at a laptop, but like standing a foot away from her, typing something on my phone. And she's like, daddy, put down the phone. Like, kid, do you even realize that like we, you are so fortunate and, and, and so are we that we get to be around you all day. Some parents through no fault of their own have to, you know, be gone a lot. And if it takes me a minute and a half to do this email kit, <laughs> deal with it, you know? So yeah. And, and, and speaking realistically to them and, and, and truthfully to them and just treating them like, again, discipline, like massive discipline. But when, you know, tantrums and stuff happen, which that's the beauty of. Yeah. You're in twos. Yeah. <laughs> My wife was out of town for the last two days and I was here and, um, man, there was like an apocalyptic sized tantrum last night. <laughs> it was the worst one just last night. I mean, I, I probably have 15 more gray hairs just from that 20 minutes, man. Oh my gosh. So that's the other thing, right? I have this Sonderless. Like I want kids. I've always wanted kids. Actually, that was a conversation Tiffany I had too. It must've been before you guys found out you were pregnant because she was really hoping yeah. for a second. And I think her and I actually prayed about it together. I remember just thinking, I, I know how that feels. I mean, I'm 37 uh, and I don't even have the guy. Like thinking about like, man, I just so want kids and I want to have that family environment. And I guess it's just hopeful to me that you can have it later and that it can be as normal as possible. <laughs> You know, I also think that, and, and look, whatever journey each parent has, it's their own journey, and that's the way it's meant to be. But I'm grateful that we had children later because I'm not a kid myself anymore. You know, I feel like right. I'm more mature, which is definitely going to benefit our kids. And, and when I say more mature, I mean barely. Yeah. <laughs> and my wife would probably completely crack up if she was here and heard me say that but you know i i hear you i it's it's just a weird thing i mean i think because i felt like i was following god's call and this is like the thing it's just been really weird to think okay then how does this all work out you know because if it's like joseph campbell's hero's journey man i'm ready for like the good the good turn because i have sure done a lot of the journeying <laughs> yeah i hear you and and you know it also again it goes back to just you know, social media sometimes, all it is is a brag fest, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, it can be. Uh-huh. You're the one who said it, where you look at these pictures, you're like, oh, they had everything. And it's like, no, actually, they don't. They probably are more unhappy than you can imagine. But they're only posting the great stuff because they want everybody to think how great things are. Well, you're not going to post your two-year-old's tantrum. You know what? <laughs> I, I actually... I've actually had a conversation with, with Tiff about this where I'm like, you know, Holt was on the floor losing his mind, <laughs> the photo, and it was actually a really pretty photo, right? It was, it was, it was uh, sunrise, the light was coming through the window, it, it, it was just a beautiful shot. He's adorable. Well, he was, it was also kind of a stylistic shot because he was face down on the wood floor just beating his arms against it, right? Mm -hmm. Thank you for saying he's adorable, but my point is you couldn't even see his face. Like, he was just, oh my God, losing his mind. Anyway, 
I took a picture. I'm like, this is actually a really great picture. I'm going to post it. And Tiff's like, you know, let's keep these moments. We don't need to share everything. Like, you know, you're right. So we are selective, very selective because, you know, even, even the kids school pictures, you know, Tiff's like, these are our family memories. And I'm like, I'm cool with that. Like I, I love that my wife has that perspective and wherewithal because, you know, sometimes I'm just like, hey, this is a great shot. I'm posting it. And that's as much as I think about it. Well, in the pastor world, it's like, hey, something funny happened in my family. I mean, we've all heard a sermon where the pastor like outs their kid for doing something. And I have so many friends, including my best friend, the one who started this whole challenge, is he's a pastor's kid. And there were times when things were said or times when other people that we've known sermons were where you're like, dad, like I haven't processed that. Now you're sharing that with the world. Like I think about your kid getting older and seeing themselves having a tantrum on the floor. Yeah, no, that's really, see, you, you nailed it. That's another good, that's a good point. I think it's always the balance between like what's ours and that's what keeps people real and together, you know? Uh, my friends have a really popular YouTube channel, which that world is totally different for me, by the way. Um, they have this thing called, uh, it's called Good Mythical Morning. Have you heard of this? Do your kids watch this? No, I, we don't really do the YouTube thing. Um, I don't either. My niece and nephew love them, but I only know them as married to my friends. <laughs> but they have 14 million viewers. Like, it's insane. Please, really? Yeah, it's insane. But I watch how intentional they are about their family time and space. Right. You know, as someone who's, again, my platform's smaller, but it is definitely a fishbowl. You know, I can't say anything on Twitter without, you know, many people chiming in. And I think it's it's helpful for me to see, like, y'all and see the YouTube friends and just see how they they don't let – they let they're, – they're vulnerable. They're honest. I think you guys are vulnerable and honest. There's not – you're not putting out a persona, but you are holding some things back and saying this is ours. And I'm wondering if my life would be a little bit easier if I learned kind of that that's okay to do as a pastor, to hold things and say this is – me, I'm a human. You don't need to know all the things about me because people are much, they just want to know everything. Yeah. You're their barometer of life, of, of everything. They want to know, like, because everything that you do, that's what they're going to gauge their actions by because they think that you, you're their direct plug to God. Right. Which is not, you know, that's also intimidating. Like try that on a like Tinder date, which by the way, online dating, we are just not of that generation, are we? And that's so hard to like, it's just, I don't understand it. It freaks me out. I I don't even know what, somebody said something about a bubble or a booble or a bumble. Um, bumble. It's called bumble. I didn't know what he was talking about. I'm like, yeah, we got a bubble machine. It's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, this is the world I don't want to be a part of and I have to. And like no one meets anyone like no one sets up anyone anymore. No one goes on blind. Like that just doesn't happen. Now it's now you I I've been told. Let me just preface. <laughs> yeah, I'm not worried about that with you. <laughs> you don't have time to discover these things <laughs> at all, nor do I have any desire. But I guess you, you could be in a restaurant, you have some app or what have you, and, and you swipe a certain direction and then somebody who's sitting 15 feet away can see you or something, right? Boy, did I just 
make myself prehistoric in that. Well, here's the fun part. I don't know. I don't know if it tells you if people are around you. I I know there's a app uh, for gay guys that does that, but I don't know if there's an app for a, a, a straight ladies that does that. That's crazy. And the funny thing is, so I heard this on a British TV show, and I don't know if it's it was Zac Efron, and he was talking about how um, people often assume, like, you know, that he's got a, a crazy dating life or whatever it was. And he was saying that to prove his friends wrong, he was like, watch this. I'll make a Tinder account. Watch what happens. So he made a Tinder account, and he just took pictures of himself with his iPhone. So nothing glammed up, none of his, like, shirtless, oiled-up sh- shots, just, like, Zach being Zach Efron. And I don't, I don't know him, but, and then he posted them and nobody swiped right is the direction when you're choosing someone. No one swiped right. Okay. And then they asked, like, I don't know how they followed up with the people, but we're like, why didn't anyone, and it, they, none, no one thought he was a real person. And he said, just like online in real life, nobody thinks I'm a real person. And how do I know whether the person is dating me because I'm the Zac Efron that they think is Zac Efron or whether they're dating me because they think I'm an an interesting person. And I thought that was really profound. And I think it reminded me of you and Tiffany sharing your story with me was just like, there is something beautiful about someone who doesn't know who you are. Right. And and wants to know who you are, like wants to know who you actually are, not what people say about you, not what people um, expect of you, but kind of just like, you know, and I, I love that about your story. I love how you guys are with each other. And it's just been, I don't know, you just give me hope that there are someone out there that the fullness of me is not intimidating. It's exciting, knows that they can shine, you know, that I'm going to be excited for their achievements as well. Um, and it doesn't mean that I have to shrink. And I think that's the, that's the crappy narrative we've given so many women in particular is if, if you know, you're going to have to shrink to find somebody willing to partner with you. You know, my dad always said, um, and again, my parents are still married. So, so are Tiff's actually, which is really cool. Uh, but my dad was like, you know, when, when, when I was getting married, he goes, son, when you hear the whole, you know, what you need to do in marriage is give 50, 50, you know, you get 50%, she gives 50%. He's like that. None of, that, that is not true. Mm. He goes, you give a hundred percent and she, gives a hundred percent. And I was like, wow, that's great. You know? And, and I think about that because I, I love my wife more than I, I mean, you know, not counting children, obviously I just, she's my everything. And, uh, I will do anything for her. And I think that sometimes you get comfortable and complacent and, you know, the daily rhythm of life. And sometimes people forget how how special it is to how blessed you are to have found somebody. So I try to remind myself of that. The guy who married us, uh, his name John Ireland. He's a pastor up in Santa Barbara, and just an awesome dude. He, we, you know, we we met with a lot of people just to you know find some. Tiff's best friend is is a is a gay man, and she you know she wanted you know he was going to be the best man. And my sister was best woman was kind That's of That's so awesome. I love it. <laughs> but, but we met all these different people because Tiff was like, it's important to me that whoever marries us is open to that. Right. Yeah, of course. 
So when we met John Ireland, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm open to that. And, you know, Tiff was immediately like, this guy's awesome. And then what did it for me is that he's a great white shark diver. <laughs> yes. So anyway, he married us. and He's he's a stellar human being. But he uh, he said every day in the morning, hug for 10 seconds. And, man, Tiff will be making the kids breakfast and she'll be busy and she will – just be, you know, so just running crazy, and I will, I will walk up behind her, <laughs> her and hold her for ten seconds, even if she's not turned and facing me. And I, I, I try to do it every morning, you know. So I love that the little things. It's the little little things that are big things. Lady, so. I so appreciate you chatting with me, and I love that story. And I'm going to steal that. The other thing that I stole from someone once, and you you can steal this idea too. A friend of mine was talking about how her husband is just not a romantic, except that long ago he realized that they would write each other birthday cards or whatever. And he, he just realized like, that's silly. You just buy a card, it gets thrown away. So he decided, because she was telling me we were talking, I don't know why, we we're talking about the one thing we'd save in a fire. And she said, well, I have a journal in my, in a fireproof case, because my husband, from the first day our kids were born and every birthday and every major event, he just writes a couple of sentences in this journal. Right. And wow. he talks about her and what he likes about her. Cause he realized he doesn't say those things cause he's just not that guy. But she says it's the most precious thing in the world to her is just his like you know, this morning our son was born, you know, and now he's 22 or whatever. Um, and this is how I feel about it. And this is how I feel about you. And she said, you know, there are days when he is just like a complete, you know, like distant or he's whatever. And she said, she'll take it out and read it. Uh-huh. And I just think oh, I'm going to steal that and the 10 second rule. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, look, life is life and everybody's busy or stressed or whatever. And but those little bitty things like him writing those letters, taking the time to do it, it not only does it connect you with your partner, but it it also kind of gives you a little check of a reminder. Yeah. So I I get it. I love that. That's that's really beautiful. Well, have a good day. I hope you get your um I hope you get the part, whatever it was. Thank you. It was awesome talking to you. It's Me been too way too long. Way too long, but thanks for thinking of me. To of and tell Tiffany I say hello and um, good luck on her new show. I'll for sure watch. Awesome. I will tell her you have a wonderful day. You too. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. As you can probably tell from the last couple of episodes, this has been a really interesting season of feeling like I need to pivot. Like there are still things that I need to change that this year is going to be wasted if I don't figure out a way to go in a different direction. I'm so grateful for people like Brady who encourage me and remind me that I'm not too big or too much, that for the right person, I'm going to be just the right amount. I'm really grateful for the example that him and Tiffany show of how the little things add up to make huge differences in your relationship, your friendship. I love the intentionality with which they raise their family and how every day they make an effort to show that they love and care for each other. I love how both of them can be their complex selves. Brady can be the artist, the actor, the dad, the farmer. Tiffany can be the chef, 
the actress, the person who is just a mom who makes lunches some days. I love the complex and yet simpleness that is their family. I think it reminds me that what I'm looking for as I begin uh, dating again is to start to look for someone that all parts of me can be integrated. Someone who is excited about the artist Sarah, the theologian Sarah, the goofball Sarah, the athlete Sarah, the incredibly insecure Sarah, the Sarah that thinks most things are funny, the Sarah who can be really loud sometimes, or the Sarah who can actually be really shy in a crowd. And yes, even Pastor Sarah, someone who can embrace all parts of me. Finding that person, I think, is going to require that I myself like all parts of me. On the next episode, we're going to address just how to find that worthiness. As you know, my health coach has had me having a couple of challenges that have been really hard, receiving affirmation from friends, as well as taking a social media fast. Well, I'm done the social media fast, and a lot of interesting things happened, including running into a friend who himself has been on a very long social media fast. I can't wait to share his story with you. Of course, next episode is also filled with lots of John wisdom. He has a lot to say on this worthiness piece. Before I close out this week's episode of Sonderless the Podcast, I wanted to let you know about a couple of our partners and about ways that you too can partner with Sonderless the Podcast. One of the fun parts of doing Sonderless is getting to share a little bit about my story. I'm captivated by the idea of story. So much so that I wrote a book called What's Your Story? Seeing Your Life Through God's Eyes. I was lucky to get to work with Abington Press. To find my book and other great titles, go to cokesbury.com. Cokesbury, C-O-K-E-S-B-U-R-Y, cokesbury.com. I am grateful to Studio Bluetooth headphones, both in and over the ear. I personally rock the Regent On-Ear White with gold trim headphones while in the studio. I love that they have interchangeable caps so you can change the look of your headphones every day if you wanted to. Studio wants to revolutionize the way people see headphones. So they're not just a tech device, but actually an accessory. They want to bridge the gap making fashionable headphones that have high quality sound. Judging by the ones I personally wear, they've nailed it. To get a pair of these Scandinavian design headphones, go to studio, S-U-D-I-O.com. Sonderless listeners get an extra 15% off any purchase by entering Sonderless in the discount code section. Over the last six months, it has been overwhelming how the podcast listenership has grown. Up to this point, everyone working on the team has been volunteers and all the startup fees have come out of pocket. Eventually, the editors got new jobs, which is incredible, and they were unable to continue producing the episodes. The podcast was at a crossroads. I had to decide, do I continue trying to put this out to the world or do I close up shop? At the same time, I was getting tons of emails, letters, and phone calls from folks who were doing the challenges from the podcast, and that's when I knew what I had to do. I had to find a team that I could pay to continue the journey. The only problem? I'm a pastor, which means that my pockets aren't very deep and I couldn't hire the talent that I needed. I also love the idea of crowdsourcing this whole thing and bringing my friends and fans alongside me. I love the idea that this isn't just my journey, but a shared journey. So how will I use that money? Very early on, I realized that sound quality is probably the hardest part of any podcast. 
It's also very expensive to produce an episode of my podcast, especially when you have to hire a professional sound engineer. And he has to fix my voice like a lot. I also needed to hire a communication team to walk alongside me. Let's face it, my pastor skills do not always lend to the technical and marketing aspects of producing a podcast. It's time that I hire the right people to help. So $8,000 is a lot of money. And there's a breakdown on the Kickstarter of where all that's going. And I'm hoping that this is just like any other Sonderless challenge and we're gonna be able to meet it. I don't know exactly how it's all gonna work out, but we have 30 days to find out. There's lots of incentives and reasons to join, but I hope that you'll just check out our Kickstarter. The link is in the podcast notes. Like I said, 30 days from when this podcast launch, we will be hopefully able to keep going for another six months. Sonderless the podcast is hosted by me, Sarah Heath. This episode was edited and mixed by Chad Michael Snavely and the team at CM Studio. To find out more about them, visit cmstudio.co. Sonderless website was created by Alex Maldonado. The theme song was written and performed by Daniel Roberts. You can visit us anytime at sonderlessthepodcast.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for updates and exclusive content. If you like the show, hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Most importantly, leave a review. It's a great way to spread the word and help people find the show. So until next time, thank you so much for listening and keep looking for your bliss.